You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest today, repeat guest. Anyone who's not familiar with uh, with Leger Ducevall, you're, I'm not sure what you're doing, SNY. I'm an athlete, uh, you know, 7 to 9, I believe, Channel 82 on Mad Dog Radio. It's, it's a really good time, something, you know, freshly new, but something you should definitely check out. How are we doing today? I'm good, Will. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, in New York area. I know, uh, you know, you get your Florida fix in, but New York, yeah. it's actually uh, nice out for once. So um, it's, it's hot down here. And in the wise words of Charles McDonald, is it time for a beer? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to kind of um, talk through a little bit. Um, haven't had you on since obviously the draft and kind of the offseason, at least the, the second to last kind of phase, I guess, of the offseason here before, you know, there's there'll be one more phase of veterans signing, you know, post June one in minicamp as they should. Um, but you know, the Jets obviously had an awesome draft in terms of getting top quality players, at least on my board. And I know they were higher on your board as well from just an overall perspective. They've had a very busy off season. They had a very busy draft. What's kind of, what was kind of your takeaway from, from the draft as a whole? Did one thing stand out to you or was it just kind of the combination of adding good players? You're talking about specifically to the Jets. Yeah, just for the Jets. Like, what was your kind of takeaway? Because they were very, much more aggressive than I think people were – some people were expecting, at least. They thought, you know, maybe they'll trade I knew, back. I knew they were about to be – yeah, I knew they yeah, were about to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, to me, it was a change of narrative type draft, right? Um, now, I think a lot of Jet fans have felt kind of somber once the schedule release came out. Um, the Jets do have a gauntlet to start the season. But I think there's a lot of, ex- a lot of excitement, and rightfully so. If you, took, if you look at – what the Jets did with their first four picks, they essentially maybe got the best player at each one of their positions, right? Garrett Wilson was the number one receiver on my board, a guy I thought it was the most pro-ready receiver coming into the league. Um, a guy plays, you know, you hear guys say this all the time, he plays bigger than his stature, but this guy literally plays bigger than his stature, physical guy, high catches the, the ball. Uh, he's going to free up Elijah Moore so much where you won't have to just put Elijah Moore in the slot because Garrett Wilson can be in the slot as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Mike LaFleur really implores those two two receivers together, right? Because I honestly didn't think they were going to take Garrett Wilson, even though I thought he was the most pro-ready. I just thought he did too much of the same similar things that Elijah Moore does. But, I mean, you want to get good players on your team, right? That's how you turn the roster around. It's all about having players that can go out there and make plays and having good playmakers. And then you talk about Sauce Garner, the first pick they took. I know a lot of people, and even I was surprised by that. Um, 
And I think Robert Sala came out and said it perfect. There's always been some precedent, you know, when it comes to that system that he, you know, portrays on defense that there's not a high, you know, value on taking corners high in the draft, right? Um, but, uh, you know, he kind of said that's not true, right? We want guys more specifically on third down. And, and this, this system has kind of been tinkered with, right? It's changed over the years, even from when I was playing it in 2017, where they played mostly zone, right? Um, but now on third down, Robert Sala likes to heat it up and blitz. And you have to be able to win on third down, not just in pass rush, but, um, you know, when you're on the island as a corner. And there was no better corner doing that than Sauce Garner in this last draft class. So it's a big boost. I mean, him, DJ Reed, I mean, I guess we can talk about, you know, what's going to happen with Hall now, Bryce Hall at corner position, because, you know, Brandon Echols still there, Michael Carter still there, uh, Davlin Gidry still there. So, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Um, but if you're Bryce Hall, you're a guy that was, I believe, top four or top five in pass breakups last year. You're like the odd man looking in now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do there. Um, Jermaine Johnson, I mean, what more can I say? This guy was the perfect fit for Robert Salah's defense. He literally plays with the mantra, all gas, no breaks. Um, effort's not an issue with this guy. To me, was the best run defender on the edge in this draft class. Uh, just plays with heavy hands and, and violent hands in, in the run game. And then uh, in this pass rush game, I think, to me, he was just coming into his own. Like, he just kind of learned how to rush last year. And it's because he got more opportunity, right? He left Georgia, went to Florida State, uh, went from playing about right under 30% of the snaps to over 60% of the snaps. And we saw him coming to his own leading up to the Senior Bowl where he was just dominant, so much so where he left after only two days at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Bryce, Bryce Hall, and I think this one kind of surprised everybody, right? Because you can get good value as far as value of running backs. In the third, fourth round is usually where you find that great value. Michael Carter is a perfect example of that last year. I had him as a you know third round, even late second round back, and they got him in the fourth round. But, you know, uh, Brees Hall was the best running back in this draft class. You talk about a workhorse. This is what this guy does. I believe over 56 touchdowns. Like, that's absurd. And, you know, people worried about his speed ran, you know, in the four threes at the combine. So speed is not an option. I mean, not an issue. And catching the ball in the backfield is big, right, in Michael Ford's system. This guy has soft hands, can catch the ball in the backfield. And then, you know, uh, pass protection, Blitz pickup. This guy will stick his face in there. He will take on linebackers. He will chop down linebackers. So that's that's massive and monumental in this system as well. So they just did an amazing job. And then even, you know, Max Mitchell, I love that pick, right? I think he has the potential to be a really good starting right tackle. You know, Makai Becton's coming back from injury. If something should happen there, I'm not saying Max, Max Mitchell is going to be ready this year, but maybe towards the end of the year, he is ready. Like, I think he's a really good pick. And they got him in, in the fourth round. And we know how we feel about Jeremy Ruckert. I mean, what else can we say about this kid? Um, I just think he, you know, it was destined for him to be a New York Jet. And I grew up a Jet fan, I believe, from Long Island. Uh, coach Ron Middleton, who coached the Senior Bowl, right, because the assistant coaches coached the Senior Bowl, just loved everything about Jeremy Ruckert. He loved his physicality. I think he's going to be a better pro than he was college player because, as we know, Ohio State has a ton of receivers, so they didn't really get him the ball in the passing game like that. But this guy is, is, is a muddy, dirty, gritty player that, you know, on those, you know, split zone plays where he has to come back and block the defensive end. He's going to he's going to fit it up in there. Um, he can you can be a lead blocker. Right. So if you want to go 12 or even 13 personnel, right, you can put him in the backfield and he could be a lead blocker for you. And then he has, you know, really he's really good athletically. Right. I don't think a lot of people give him enough credit for that. 
um, his athletic ability to be able to separate at the top of the route. Have, he has soft hands as well, too. And then he can turn it over. The kid can run. So, like, I really, I mean, you know how we feel about Jeremy Record. We, we love that kid. And then the Clemens pick. I mean, I think it was a surprise because I don't know what's going to happen at the, at the edge position on our team. It's like 800, uh, 800 the people. Fun, literally, like, last year, everybody was complaining we don't have enough. Now we may have too many. Uh, I think you can never have enough because injuries always happen. We saw that last year with Carl Austin. So Carl Austin's coming back, John Franklin Myers. And I'm going to let John Nation know he will be at in on first and second down. Stop trying to kick that man inside, man. Like he's going to now he's going to be able to kick inside more because of the abundance of edge players we have now. Right. And I think it'll bode well for him because talking to him and I, and I talked to John at least once, once every week or once every two weeks. Um, he's more comfortable rushing over the guard using his athletic ability and his power. Um, but there was no better edge defender for the Jets last year in the run game than John Flynn. Like if y'all, if he would have kicked him inside, y'all thought the Jets run defense was bad before. It would have been 10 times worse if he wasn't on the edge last year. So trust, he's going to be, him and Michael Clemens will be edge, you know, big ends on first and second down. All right. So I just want to quell that because everybody's <laughs> like, we can just kick him inside. And I love Jermaine, right? And it'll be interesting to see, you know, depending on where, where Carl is. I know I've been talking to Carl. He's been down here with my physical therapist, uh, Sharif Tabat, training and, and getting right. Um, he'll, he'll be ready for the season, but it'll be interesting to see um, who comes out in base, right? Will it be Jermaine and John Franklin Myers and like, like kind of like D Ford was in the 2019 season where Bosa got drafted and they like kind of slowly bring along, you know, Carl Lawson. Or will they start Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers and then bring Jermaine in and he'd be the, the swing guy? Because I think Jermaine is the one guy that can play Leo, which is the, the, the open side end, and he can play the big end as well because his physical traits and how physical he is in the run game. But again, this was just a, a really great draft class. It'll be interesting to see how the Jets, you know, turn over this season, you know, because they started off with a gauntlet. And, and I've been talking for a while, so I'll let you get in here, Will. <laughs> nah, so a couple of things. I... I, part of why I was happy with the Jets draft, and I know like we both talked to a lot of people in the building, and it was like, yeah. there's a lot of times there's smoke and there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, we want to do this, we want to do this. And it's like the Jets have done that for a long time. They don't really do it, right? They kind of like, oh, we want to add playmakers. And it's like they convince, you know, you get convinced that the third round, our Darius Stewart comes out, and it's like, that's the guy. Oh, Chad <laughs> Hansen, right? Guy. Right, yeah. and it's like, oh, he's a steal. Like Garrett Wilson, I – thought Drake Leonard and Garrett Wilson would be a great fit. Um, again, Garrett Wilson playing bigger than he is. And I think what sold him is that he was the smartest receiver in the draft. Everyone that talks to yeah. everyone that talks about Garrett Wilson, unbelievable football IQ. And I think the Jets have PTSD from last year and a lot of different guys, <laughs> specifically, obviously one guy who couldn't play all the spots. And I think that's a huge, that's a huge problem for them. And um, this offense is co complex Aaron Rodgers said it took him two or three years to figure out this offense fully. Like if you think that's yeah. difficult, right. And he's one of the smart, again, another genius football player, you want to have smart guys. So that's one thing. I think the sauce picnic is awesome. I didn't love the sauce pick at four without knowing, yeah. without knowing <laughs> they were going to get an edge. And then once they got the edge, it made sauce at four. Awesome. Like he's a, I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to be a really good player and it's perfect for this team, but it's perfect because they also added edge as well. And, and receivers. So it was kind of this like, individually you could look at all three of those picks and go "Ooh, i don't i uh, like maybe <laughs> so, they should have added something else right so perfect example i don't and you're probably watching i don't know if you were watching uh you're probably on twitter too yeah steve gelbs right uh yeah me and him do pre and post and we did the draft the, the draft show for the jets um when the garrett wilson pick and the sauce garner pick came out we were kind of 
he was recording me and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's those all right. And I was talking to our guy, Connor Rogers, right? We were both, yeah. you know, he was doing Bleacher Report. I was doing the Jets uh, draft show and we were texting back and forth and we were like, mm. but when they got, like you said, when they got the trade up and got Jermaine, we were like, this is a, an amazing draft, right? Yeah. Because it puts everything into perspective. Like I get it, right? At the number four pick. And this is what I was trying to tell everybody before the draft, like, there's no surefire all-stars in this draft, right? A lot of good players. They're going to have a, a long career. But, you know, there were no no Nick Boses in this draft, right? There were there were no Ron Millers. There were no Garrett, you know, Miles Garretts. Um, but I think at the number four spot, and, you know, teams weren't really trying to trade up until around that 10 range. And that's when we saw, like, a galore of trade-ups because people were trying to get receivers, O-linemen, and, and things of that nature. Um, I think... The sauce pick, I think, was the safest bet pick, right? And though a lot of people like me thought Icky Kwanu would be a really safe pick, um, but it seems like it felt like the Jets wanted to go with a pick. There was, you know, some typical need down there. It wasn't great need there, but, you know, they maybe thought there was more need there than maybe at the O-line position with, you know, Makai Beckton coming back. And maybe they just felt that, you know, Sauce Garner was the safest pick. So I, I agree with that, you know, train of thought, right? Because to me, Sauce Garner was the number one corner. I know Stingley, you know, went before him and, you know, all the attributes. And the thing is, if you can get freshman Derek Stingley, then obviously it's a no-brainer. And I love right. Sauce Garner. Yeah. But Derek Stingley has a, a higher upside than, than Sauce Garner. Like, if he's truly himself from his freshman year when they won the national championship, that's just a big if, right? That, that was the question mark with him. But as far as just the tape and what we've seen the last few years, to me, Sauce Garner was the number one corner. And so I, I get why they picked him, right? It was the safest pick. You know, you're getting a, a corner that's going to be there for the next, you know, eight to 10 years. He's going to be your guy that's going to be on the island. And thing, the thing I would also mention is like, don't sleep on DJ Reed. Like this guy is an ultimate competitor. Like I love watching his film. And this is a guy, and I don't know if a lot of people remember, I tabbed the Jets. If they couldn't get Carlton Davis, I said, DJ Reed is a name you need to watch, right? He's familiar with the system. Salah loves him. He's an ultimate competitor. Yes, he's only about 5'9", but he he literally has like a, I think a 36 or 38 inch vertical. So this guy, like just turn on the Green Bay film versus him and Devontae Adams. That was a hell of a film to watch. Like Devontae got him a few times, but he got he got right back up and got in Devontae a few times too. So um, South Garner, I think was just a safe pick. Uh, same thing with Garrett Wilson, right? Um, I think Salah was telling the truth. If, if Atlanta had taken Garrett Wilson, I think Jermaine Johnson would have been the pick at 10. And that's where he was always tabbed, right? Uh, you know, I thought maybe he could be the pick at four, honestly. I th and I believe the Jets loved him that much. They would consider taking him at the number four spot. But I think they felt just a little bit more comfortable taking him at the number 10. But with Garrett Wilson still on the board after Drake London went at number eight, um, I think they were just trying to make sure they got enough playmakers for Zach Wilson. And, and to me, Garrett Wilson was the, the cleanest receiver in this draft class. So I understand it and I 100% get it. And he plays the game physical. He blocks down the field, which is big in the run game. Again, goes up and gets the ball at the high point. He, he's going to free up Elijah Moore a lot more, who to me is going to be the number one receiver on this team. And, and the Jermaine thing was just, that was a blessing from God. <laughs> I think people don't understand too, like from the number five pick when Kayvon Thibodeau went, and I know you and, and Connor were higher on him than I was. He actually went to the perfect system. So he, he actually might thrive really well, right? Because a lot of these guys gonna, did, I think. Yeah, like Drake, yeah, he Drake went to the perfect Atlanta, system. 
Drake yeah. in Atlanta with that age, not he's not gonna be AJ Brown. I'm just saying that big physical receiver. That's what Arthur Smith wants. He wants yeah, like him, and, him and Pitts. No one's guarding him and Pitts when they have a quarterback. You can't you match got two up with that. Big receivers now. Like yeah. I mean, Pitts is essentially a receiver. You know, so yeah. now you got two monster receivers. So you, you take about Kayvon Thibodeau going to, to Wink Martindale system, right? What's he gonna ask him to do? What he does well, just get off the ball and go. <laughs> he's not gonna ask him to, to win, you no, know, on third and long. He's gonna blitz every play. So he's literally gonna be asked to do what he did at Oregon, win with speed, right? So that's all he's gonna have to do. Um, so like I, that's what my, that was my biggest fear for him going to a system where it's a four three system where they're gonna ask him to to rush and and win on third down. I was like I don't think he can do that on a consistent basis. But where they're gonna ask him to just go and just win with speed on the edge and not have to make inside moves, he's gonna thrive in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's interesting. So and I was I have a question for you on the KT and, and Sauce thing in a second. But no, I think you know look the Jermaine stuff is. It's a he's a hard player to discuss because I think he's one of these guys that I think anyone who watches baseball, I'm a diehard baseball fan. There's certain players who analytics and film don't always line up. And it's like this constant battle when in reality, there's probably a point to both. Right. There's is Jermaine, you know, if he can continue to improve his pass rush win rate and pressures. Yes, it's obviously huge. But at the end of the day, me and DJ talk about this all the time. And I know you guys talk about it like you got to finish the play. Carl Lawson has never had a 10 sack season. I love Carl. Yeah. I think he might be Trey Hendrickson's had back-to-back 15 sack seasons and whether you like it or not, the, that's the Jets, what matters. The Jets will never, that debate will go on forever because yeah. they were tabbed together. And supposedly I've heard that the great Von Trey wanted to come here. Yeah. But the Jets wanted Carl instead. So right. like they're going <laughs> to, no matter what, and I think Carl knows that he's self-aware, like, like, damn, you know, this guy, is coming off, I think, 15 sacks and then have the 15 same, sacks. Same exact dollar. And, and, and I told people that. Yeah, same same amount, uh, dollar amount. I told us, everybody was like, Trey's a one-hit wonder. I said, no, nah, go watch the film. This dude going to continue to cook. Like, yeah. he just got his opportunity because Marcus Davenport was hurt, right? They literally drafted Marcus Davenport because they knew Trey was, Trey was going to leave in free agency. And Trey had had issues like Carl staying healthy before, right? So these now you got two back-to-back years, and I think he's going to continue to thrive. I honestly think Carl's going to have a bounce back year and a big year this year, this year as well. I think they're going to – you were mentioning it before. I I truly – we, had, we me, and, me and Dee were talking about this on the other pod that who's – what's more likely a 10-sack season for Carl or or Elijah getting a 1,000 yards? And I said Carl because – I mean, um, I said Elijah because Carl, I think they're going to – like the Jets know if they want to admit Nick kind of – they want the season to go the way they want. They need Carl firing late in the year when they're trying to compete for – eight, nine, 10, whatever it is. I don't know, whatever. We'll see what they get to, yeah. but they have enough around on that D line now that they don't have to rush him back, which is huge. Mm-hmm. They can kind of slow work him through camp. Maybe he plays 40% of the snaps against Baltimore and eases his way in as opposed to being a 65% snap yeah. guy early on. Um, I, I want to talk about the Brees Hall pick quickly, but I want to ask you this because I was, I was thinking about this. KT and Sauce are both very loud in their own way and i think (laughs) it's i think they're very different kt is very just like a very loud person even if he doesn't say a lot and sauce isn't like a trash talker against other people he just like he's very self-confident i think both are important especially when you play defense you have to be corners way too hard to play and not be almost borderline arrogant at times do you worry at all being in the new york market where these guys are putting such a spotlight on themselves early on or is it like whatever like just that's awesome it's a good swagger to have early on in your career um i know it's a weird I, question but like no 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 i i think you just have to be self-aware right when when you proclaim 
this and, and sauce again at the cornerback position. You have to have that type of confidence, right? So it's not like he just trash talks anybody. He just has a lot of confidence in himself. Yeah. And that's something he's going to need in New York because if he ever gets beat one or two times, they're going to they're going to try to drag him in the paper. So he's got to be comfortable in who he is and confident in who he is. Um, KD's just KT's always just been outspoken, right? I I never had an issue with him being outspoken. Like anybody knows me, I've talked about this, you know, at lengths. Um, my issue was game feel. Like I had issues with him on with his game feel. Uh, being outspoken, I don't have an issue with that. Uh, I think he he's very self aware and he's he's very smart. He, he articulates really well. He knows that if he doesn't ball, like all the stuff that he's talking about doesn't mean jack shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> like his branding, like that means nothing. And in, in New York, the New York area is very unforgiving, right? Like they'll love you today, but tomorrow you mess up, they're going to trash you in the papers. Um, so I think they're both very confident in who they are. Um, but I think they know at the end of the day, like if they don't go out there and ball and they continue to talk, it could be, it could be a long career for them. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like one of those things I, I always like, I'm a, I was a big trash talker. Um, and I get it. It's just sometimes I always like, I, I'm always curious, like yeah. Darrell Revis is never going to walk through any locker room ever again. And I, I think Darrell is one of those guys that like could talk trash by just like staring you in the face so much. Yeah, like, he yeah, wasn't I'm a big trouble. trash talker. He would just like stare you down. Yeah. Where like Jalen Ramsey is as big of a trash talker as you'll find. So it's like, and this game backs it up. And I think Sauce obviously loves Jalen Ramsey. If you like watch a lot of the stuff on him, I want to ask you quickly about the Brees Hall thing, because Running backs are the discourse around running back sucks. I think it's one of the most frustrating discourses in all of sports right now. Um, yeah. John, like, here's why I think I have no problem with the Jets taking running back where they did. A, I don't think their running back room is actually very good. I think it was Michael Carter and it was a bunch of guys that probably won't be on the roster. Um, 100%. I, I mean, think we <laughs> always knew. I was surprised they didn't bring in a vet. Now, I know they signed Tevin Coleman, but I was surprised they didn't bring a vet. Me too. Routinely healthy. And then we talked about Melvin Gordon and then. You know, everybody was like, well, that's why he got six million. I was like, nah, I want to see what the real numbers are. And we yeah. saw, I think it was like 2.5 yeah. or 3. And I'm <laughs> He's like, not getting a lot of money. No. I'm like, the Jets could have paid it. This is a thousand yard back year in and year out. Like, why wouldn't we pick that? <laughs> always, always healthy. And then, like, they, they gave up a fifth round pick and whatever. Like, the hit rate on fifth round picks is like, I think it's like 4% of these yeah, it's, guys. It's, it's like so you, stupid. You're giving up nothing, really. <laughs> yeah, you're giving up nothing. Yeah. Salah talked about having that home run hitter. And John Benton is famously on the record for saying, like, a good O-line is nothing without a good running back because they need to, like, if you haven't played football, I think sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, running, like, running backs miss holes all the time, and 100%. it's a huge <laughs> issue. And there's guys, like, it's my biggest issue with Saquon Barkley other than pass pro is there's so many times where Saquon could just get four yards, and he won't do it. He won't and do he, it. He won't yeah. do it. And Brees Hall for the like, home run. Brees Hall is a home run hitter in a sense, but he's also like just like a good running back. Like I think it's important. Um, Michael Carter struggled to stay healthy last year. I think you sh he showed in college when he was best. He is the one B that like comes 100%. in. He's change your pace. He's really hard to tackle. He's elusive. All these different things. That's great. Um, unblock me on Twitter. I don't know why I'm blocked on Twitter. I've never said anything but good things about you, Mike. So. Um, he blocked you? Yeah, I, I tweeted. I, I don't know. I think he probably searched his name and maybe I said something. I don't know. It's, it's the only guy that <laughs> everyone else I talked to on the Let team. Let me talk me. to my guy, man. Yeah, yeah, okay. Get me unblocked, man. Um, but no, like, I think Brees Hall is going to be an impact back right away. Um, yeah. He's 20 years old. I think we like it. Like, the Jets could get four really good years out of Brees Hall and the rest is just gravy. But like, 
I know there was the argument of like, he would have to be a, a top 10 running back in the league to justify getting picked there. Like, why couldn't he be that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. So why world. couldn't he just be that? And that's worth it. Um, this offense I, values running backs too. I don't know. It's just, yeah. I think that the important thing to remember, and I love Michael Carter and everything he brings to the table. I love that he's hard. The first guy never brings him down. Right. But to your point, right. Um, they tried to make him the lead back last year and he got dinged up. Going back to North Carolina, he wasn't the lead back. Javante Williams was. Like, he was the 1B. And that's not a knock on Michael Carter. He's just never been the workhorse guy. Well, Brees Hall is the definition of a workhorse running back. So now you got a guy that is, you know, stood up and been tested time and time again, um, constantly his answer to Bell. He knows he's going to get a stack box against him week in and week out. And if even if he can't affect the game by running the ball, he can do it in the pass catching game. Right. He can do it in pass protection. There's so many ways that Brees Hall can, you know, affect the game. And, you know, in this system, it's always kind of been backs by committee. There, there usually isn't just one guy that takes off. I mean, I know a lot of people talk all, a lot about Debo Samuels, but I think they forget what Elijah Mitchell did for that San Francisco 49er team last year. This guy almost had a thousand yards. And I think missed four or five games. Like that's absurd. He was averaging like close to 20 carries a game. He was their workhorse there. So I think Brees Hall can beat something like that. And, I think his first year, it'll be like 50-50. Him and Michael will, will split the carries down the middle, which I think rightfully so is rightfully so is justified. Um, but I think Brace Hall, you know, ends up separating from Michael Carter eventually and becomes the number one back. And, you know, maybe Michael Carter becomes the third down guy. Yeah, it's look, there's there's worse things to have than depth at these different positions. The Jets have not had depth in a long time. And I think we always talk about Football's not about your first 22. Yeah, it's about whoever's under center. But it's not about your first 22. It's like, you, is your roster 35 deep? Can you sustain pulled hamstring? Not just yeah, exactly. the season-ending ones. Can you sustain a four-week stretch where someone pulls a hamstring or someone sprains an ankle and you, you don't have them, but you can still be league average at that spot? Um, I wanted to get into the schedule, and we'll finish with that. But from a Zach perspective – I've been, I've personally been impressed and I know everyone in the building I've talked to is impressed with him, like owning this off season in a way of like, I'm like, I actually give a fuck. And I think people last year, there was questions a little bit about like, do you want to be Hollywood or do you want to be, do you just, or you want to be great? Like, what do you, what do you, like, what do you, what are you here for? Um, And that's natural with any quarterback. This is not a Zach specific thing because he's a, you know, he's a pretty boy from youth. Like it's nothing. (laughs) It's it's like people ask the same questions about all these guys, right? They ask about Trevor Lawrence. They ask about all these guys. Zach going around and not just like, Oh, I'm hosting something. Come here. If you want to hang out and throw like going around and actually, again, putting in the work on the field and like showing you want to own this locker room, I think is something that's super important and B. I know we can always overreact to how people work out. And yes, you are paid to be in good shape. I cannot reiterate this enough. I hate every off season when it's like, Oh, this guy lost 10 pounds. Like, cool, man. Guess what? I'm trying to lose weight too for my wedding, but I'm not asking for compliments. Right. Uh, But Zach actually putting on weight and showing like, this is a part of my game. People had question marks. Can I physically hold up for 17 weeks and putting on, especially muscle in your legs, which is people think about your arm as a quarterback. If you don't have, if you're a pitcher or whatever, you need to have torque in your legs and actually power off those legs. So are you, what's been your kind of impressions of Zach coming out of the off season? And like, is this stuff overblown or does it actually matter from someone that's been in those locker rooms with that? No, it matters. It goes a long way. Uh, I mean, I think that was everybody's not just mine or, 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 
many analysts analysts take, um, we felt like he needed to gain some weight, right, for the rigors of a 17-game season. It's a lot different in college when you're only playing 12 to 13 games and you're done by November, you know, then you have a bowl game. So, but, you know, the season goes to January, mid-January now, and hopefully you go to the playoffs. Now you're talking about late January. So there's rigors. There's, you know, training camp is, what, two weeks in college? Month and a half in, in the NFL. Like, it's totally different, right? And I think a lot of people hit that rookie wall that, you know, everybody talks about and not realizing how much different it is, you know, from college to the NFL game. And just like what you talked about, him taking ownership of this offseason off is the biggest thing, right? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You want to see leadership from your quarterback. He hasn't just held, you know, workouts in California and Utah. I mean, he came down to Florida, like with Elijah, like. And, and Braxton Berrios like that that's that's amazing like him taking the onus and saying guys you know we're trying to change the narrative of this team like let's get to work early and often and then him personally putting in the work right to, to reshape his body and, and get ready and we saw the athletic ability right so you know Zach took some vicious hits last year uh, putting on you know 10 more pounds of muscle is going to really help him you know when it comes to taking some of those hits and we saw that he used more of his athletic ability towards the end of the year, which I was, you know, praying that they do now. I don't want them to, to make a habit of using his legs too much. Yeah. Let's but not I use think, them like Cam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think in the red zone though, like he, there has to be a threat of his, his athletic ability in his legs. Right. Because that gives another, the, the defense, another person to defend against because he has that athletic ability. So, uh, you know, we saw towards the end of the year, he was really running the ball. He had, a, a, no, I think what he had four or five rushing touchdowns last year, which was big again in the red zone that, that gives the defense pause because now you have to be careful when it comes to <clears throat> containment element, right? you got to make sure this guy stays in the pocket because he's dangerous with his legs. We saw it versus Jacksonville Jaguars him take off on a 50 plus yard touchdown run. Um, I think with, with him carrying that muscle, you know, he'll be able to sustain some hits, maybe even maybe shrug a guy off or two, you know, you never know. Um, but I think it's going to help him in the long run. I'm just glad that he's really taking ownership of this offseason. 
uh, showing you the leader leadership attributes, right? Because they say the biggest jump in a player is from year one to year two. And we're starting to see that from Zach. Now, you know, he has to go put it all out there on the field because honestly, the Jets are only going as far as Zach Wilson takes them, right? They've, they've essentially done more for any for him than they've done for any other quarterback in Jets history, as far as surrounding him with, yeah, surrounding him with playmakers offensive line. He's, he should have a barrier in front of him, right? Uh, I don't know if any other rookie quarterback or second year, because he's going to second year, second year quarterback is going to be as comfortable as he should be with the offensive line additions that the, the Jets have made over the last three years. Right. So he should, as long as everybody stays healthy, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, he should have a, he should have a barrier in front of him, which is going to allow him to be more comfortable in the pocket. Right. He won't have to keep drifting back. Like he did last year. He'll be comfortable, you know, taking that step up in the pocket when that back foot hits, let the ball go. Um, so it, it's going to be on Zach Wilson this year. Right. Because yeah. Again, they've added, you know, help the tight end position, three new tight ends. Like who knew the Jets knew what a tight end was. Uh, we obviously know what that is. Now uh, we got three guys that can play any down first, second or third down. Offensive line brought in a pro bowler and Lincoln Thompson, Elijah Vera Tucker, I think will be a pro bowler soon enough. Um, you talk about, you talk about George Fant who played at times at a corporal caliber level last year, Makai Becton, who has the upside of a pro bowler. And I know people in, in Jet Nation kind of, I don't know what it is. They don't like Connor McGovern, but he actually had a really good season last year. Man, you clap back one time at fans and they're, they're I don't, I don't get the hate for Connor McGovern. Like, you know how many teams would take a Connor McGovern right now? You know how many teams would like literally? I would say, I would say like 17 to 18 teams in the league would take a Connor McGovern right now, like without a doubt. Um, so they just have a really good offensive line. I mean, one would say they might have the best O line in the AFC East, honestly, if everybody's healthy. So, you know, they added playmakers in the last two years at the running back position, the receiver position. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be on Zach Wilson. Like, he's the Jets are only going as far as he can take them. And yes, there's a gauntlet to the beginning of the season, but. He has been given the weapons where he should f- feel comfortable to be able to make the throws and make plays down the field. Yeah, no. So it's, it's interesting. I think um, it's just, it's the Jets are the second most expensive D line, the fifth most expensive offensive line. Like they've invested in the trenches. They've showed. Hold on. They got the second most expensive D line. Yeah. I looked at it yesterday. I mean, I was like, we we're talking about on the pod. They have the second most expensive defense, actually, technically the most amount of money that's spent on their defense. It's crazy. I, I can just, see like it's CJ's getting, getting, getting money. Yeah, well, broke off. think about it. It's Carl's <laughs> at 15, yeah. JFM's at 12, Q's at 11, Rankins is at and 8. Q ain't is due for a deal. <laughs> yeah, so they're at well, Rankins like, at like 8, right? Yeah, Rankins at 8, and then Jermaine, Jermaine, Sam, and Thomas are all at 3 or 4. It's so it's there's a lot of money there. Tom um, getting three mil. Yeah, well, none of it's guaranteed. So let's see if he. Oh, okay. Let's see if he. <laughs> let's see what happens if uh, who's on the actual roster by the end of yeah. uh, by the end of August. But you know the thing with Zach, I think, like you mentioned, there there's so much invested there that they're giving him. They're putting. They've did what everyone's been asking for literally a decade. Give that everyone no option but to know is this the guy or is this not and. I don't, I don't need him to be Joe Burrow this year, but I certainly don't need um, – you certainly don't want uh, 12 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 145 yards a game. Um, like you said, ste- step in the throws. I think especially on third down in the red zone, like you mentioned, be able to use his legs, run some read option stuff. The Jets did it a little bit with Darnold, and they did a little bit with Zach, and it always worked. And it was like, I don't know why and you they, don't – But they, the wait to, they wait to the end of the year to do it. Yeah, they wait to the end of the year. And like the Panthers did it with Sam last year early in the year, and he scored like four touchdowns, and it and was like they stopped, stopped doing, doing it. it. Yeah, it's yeah. like, why did – Crazy. If it's working, keep doing it. Um, I'm curious on, on your thoughts. So the first four games of the year, right, it's 
Like, who are the who are the schedule makers? Why would they give us you know, four, four in a row? Divisions? It's yeah. we that that's we, the weirdest. The part AFC today. North. I've never seen that before. Like, I've, never I've seen either. maybe three out of the five, but never yeah. four yeah. in a row where it's we weird. don't we play straight AFC North. Like it's I, weird. I want so the only thing I will say is yes, the schedule is hard. That said, a always look at the quarterbacks you're playing because I think exactly. that's something that people never do, and it's honestly way more important than and who like when you're playing somebody like where yeah. it is and stuff week one is the best time that you're going to be able to get to play Baltimore based on this version of them only from the aspect of there's a lot of new pieces you never know yeah. how people are going to adjust right? Lamar just always I know. comes well, out well let's see it. I don't one, know. Lamar, Lamar, got, Lamar got COVID like 700 times last year so let's yeah. just see if he's even available obviously it's I'm week kidding. one it's week one control right and you you have to hope if you're the Jets you come out You've given three months for Robert Sala to scheme up anyway to figure it out. Yeah. If Jordan Whitehead plays a big role, he's going to play kind of a massive role. Massive in that game. role. You know that right now. Yeah. And then you <laughs> look at, you know, from an offensive perspective, you hope you give, you know, the mad scientist LaFleur a bunch of time to kind of scheme up, you know, ways to deal with their pressure and playing a bunch of cover one. Um, and on top of that, I think being at home, it's 9 11. You hope the crowd can kind of help yeah. you out there. And I think you got to look at it too, right? Their whole secondary is coming back from injury mostly. I mean, yeah. they, they signed Marcus Williams. Yeah, like how are they going to look? Everybody thought the Jets were going to sign, but yeah. um, you know, you talk about Humphrey, Marlon Humphrey coming off injury. You talk about Marcus, you know, Peters coming off injury. Those are their two best corners. So we'll see. You know, yeah, it's like be their first game right, back. Right, it's first game back, first game. You know, you just you have no idea what you're going to get, right? And the Ravens last year, I think of that, that Raiders game, I believe that was first game last year. Yeah, too. The they lost in overtime. They lost yeah. in overtime, and it was like the Raiders kind of gave the blueprint of like, if you can even stifle the Ravens offense and you can keep them either behind the score or even, even yeah. um, and you can just get the ball out of your hands and you got you have guys that can beat their corners over the top. Because like, that's how you beat the Ravens. If they're giving a blitz you like that, you just, you want to use it up and you, you pick it up. Down yeah, you field, take a yeah. shot and, um, rub routes are going to be big rub routes are going to be big and i think yeah. the jets you know they have a lot of like again they have really good separators with a lot of they have three guys that run sub four four on their on their yeah. of their top four guys and Corey's not like well, I think slow they, well, they got four guys technically. yeah they have I four mean, Corey ran, i said Corey ran i think in the four fours Corey too. ran the four fours if you want to you want to throw mims in there you have to throw mims in there yeah he ran, technically he ran sub four four yeah joe douglas is a uh we like to call him a, a speed whore uh receiver <laughs> but um but then you look at weeks two through four and this is what i've, I've been getting frustrated with right deshaun you look at some he might not be there. He might not be there. I think that was the perfect time to get the Cleveland Browns. Perfect honestly. time to get them. Plus, it's not cold in Cleveland yet. Yeah. Um, week three, you did beat the Bengals last year, and as good as they are, the Jets do. They're gonna be they're, they're gonna be hyped for that game. They're gonna be hyped for that game, <laughs> and it's gonna be good for the Jets too because you're still yeah. getting them at home. You still know that Bengals offensive line might still be working through the kinks a little bit of a lot of these new sure. players. You have no idea what you're gonna get. And then week four. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the Pittsburgh game is like Pittsburgh has a, a couple of really, really elite level guys and Minka and TJ Watt and some guys. I'm not football is not a sport where it's like the NBA, where if you have the best player, you necessarily win. The Jets are playing either one of two quarterbacks who neither of them I'm high on at all. Um, Pittsburgh's <laughs> offensive line is not very good. Yeah, yeah Pittsburgh's line is not, not very good. And all these different like I just and you're, again, Pittsburgh early in the year. It's not playing in Pittsburgh and, you know, in the snow and all that December, stuff. So yeah. why not like have the expectation? Can we split here? Cause if I, you I, honestly, I got the jet splitting. The if you, yeah. If you split there, you put yourself in a really nice spot because then you, I think Miami's week five, Makes, I think Miami's week five. Yeah. Why, like, why not just, I don't know. I just, I'm not this expectation. I think Connor said on Badlands this morning and I was laughing a little bit. Cause I know when Connor gets fired up, he's trying so hard not to curse on him. But he was like, 
I'm not just gonna give him the excuse to lay down and die because on yeah, paper the schedule's hard. Like no, the, honestly, you're in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I honestly believe that. Just talking to a few guys in that locker room, they they feel good about. I know the schedule is a gauntlet, but they feel good about this team this year. I know everybody says that, but I honestly truly believe that they feel good with the additions they've added to this team, and they feel like they're gonna surprise a lot of people. Like. Like last year when they were saying that, we kind of knew it was kind of lip service because we knew it was a rebuild. And then we they lost their big, you know, prize free agent acquisition in Carl Lawson, you know, before the season even started. But now this year with the, you know, the draft class that he had, the additions at the tight end position to Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama, Jordan Whitehead, you know, I'm the biggest Jordan Whitehead fan. <laughs> I was praying that the Jets got him. I, I, I knew when Marcus Williams deal wasn't happening, I was texting Salah, I was like, dude, Get to get this done. He he got quiet on me. I was like, oh, they working it out. They trying to get it done. And sure enough, like so, like he he texted me. He was like, well, we got him. And then the news came out right there. I was like, <laughs> yes, thank God. Because when 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 the Jets paid the the Bucks last year, he was a guy that I circled. I was like, you got to know where this guy is on the field because he can wreck your, your your game in the run game. And then like people don't give enough credit because they just call him a, a box safety, but. They, they lined him up all over the place for the Bucks last year, right? He, he lined up in the middle of the field. He lined up at the nickel position. They, they lined him up on the line of scrimmage. Like, they lined him up at the linebacker position. Like, he's going to be able to do so much for the Jets. And to, to our point, Will, he's going to be massive week one versus the Baltimore Ravens yeah. and, and stopping that run game. Think about how many quarterbacks they play. And this is the modern NFL, too. So, I know this is the majority of guys. But everyone in the beginning of the year runs some type of read option, some type of RPO stuff, whether it's, uh, you know, obviously Trubisky and – like that's pretty much the only reason he made a pro bowl that one year is because he was able to do that. <laughs> Lamar, obviously they play Josh Allen twice a year. And to some extent to it, like still like it's a huge part of their game and having someone that can just be disciplined. I think, and we'll talk about this obviously when, before the season starts, but like the key to playing Baltimore is like, it's like playing the triple option. You play Navy and all these different teams, just do your job. Every single play, 100%. do not do not get distracted. <laughs> do not get lazy. Do not like, if you do your job, every play, it's impossible. You, you're going to beat them. If you yeah. don't and you fall asleep or you fall for something, um, that's where we're going to have to hope Quincy Williams or whoever's going to be playing middle linebacker next to CJ Mosley can be disciplined with their eyes. <laughs> but yeah. um, is there any, is there anywhere on this roster we'll wrap with, I guess with this, where you're like, I'd love to see them add one or two more guys. I know Ojanobi and Kwan are the two guys to me that like, they just, they make too much sense. Scheme, 100%. age, all, yeah. I mean, all this stuff, right? Those are the two guys to you that stick out. Well, I mean, like we were talking about this in the beginning of the show, right? And you said, you know, there's another part of free agency and I did like this and I crossed my fingers <laughs> and you hit it on the head. The two guys that, that I want, Larry Ojanobi, and I've literally been talking to this dude every other week, trying to get him to come to the Jets. <laughs> Um, and I think Connor Hughes, you know, put it out there and it's hundred percent. It's going to come down to what, uh, is he willing to accept what the Jets offer him? I think he got screwed over by the Chicago bears. I mean, like you knew this dude had an injury before you brought him in and guaranteed him that contract. Um, it's like, a bad look you, for the bears. Yeah, to be I mean, but I mean, it's the bears, I, I, and I don't want to say, you know, give a bad rap to Ryan Poles, but that was just, that was just, that was tasteless to me. Um, Granted, I, I get it. Maybe they saw the X-ray and like, oh, this is way worse than it is. Um, but again, this man got hurt in the playoffs. Like, what did you expect? That was just a few months ago, like literally two months ago. Like, what did you people, expect? Is yeah, people did that with like? the uh, people did that with Jimmy. They're like, oh, he has no value. I'm like, dude, he can't pass the physical because he just had surgery last he week. He literally just had surgery. Like, I I didn't get that. That that was just tasteless, man. Um, and he was gonna be the highest paid nose tackle in football. Like, I think he was getting eleven a year or something like that. Yeah. So like. Now, like every team, it gives every team the pause to be like, well, he didn't pass a physical, so we don't know, 
you know, now the teams are probably offering him like three mil, which it sucks, right? Because this dude is coming off seven plus sacks. And as a nose tackle, that's massive to have that type of push up the middle, right? So he, to me, he makes obviously the most sense. I think he'd be a perfect fit. And then Quan, right? Especially for coverage, even if he doesn't start, if Quincy, Quincy starts on first and second down, on third down, you know, having a guy with Quan's type of speed, a guy that's familiar with this defense. He played with Robert Sala in San Francisco. Like, to me, it just it, it just makes sense. Those are the two guys. Um, and maybe add one more safety. I know we got a whole bunch, but <clears throat> with, um, you know, Tyron Matthew was still being out there. I thought maybe I honestly wanted to draft one of these tier two safeties in the draft. But, you know, the Jets, you know, traded up to, to get Brees Hall. I thought that would have been a really good – Lewis Seen was a guy I was I – was I think the Jets would have gotten – I know they really like Brees Hall, but I think if, if Lewis Seen dropped, you know, in the second round – and he went the last pick in the first round, I think the Jets would have – it would have been hard pressed for them not to take a guy like him. Um, but maybe even maybe one safety. I don't even know who's, who's out there still. Um, but I think they, they, they're comfortable, you know, with the combination of – Ashton Davis. I mean, Jordan, you know, Jordan Whitehead is definitely starting. But I think they're comfortable with the, the combination of Ashton Davis, Will Parks, um, and, and Pinnock. One of those guys maybe fell and even Elijah Riley, maybe one of those guys filling in at the other safety spot. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I do think there's probably two or three additions here to come and then two or three guys that look, I, I still I know it's this is probably going overboard, but I still think if one of these veteran receivers is still out there and you don't know what's gonna happen and I'm not buying that Denzel Mims is going to be on this roster in, in, uh, in <laughs> September. I think that's a lot. It's a lot of smoke from the same people that are very close with agents. And I oh, think you know, you know they're trying to get him up there so they can yeah, trade him, man. They got yeah, they got to hype hype up his value. The Hern the Herndon uh, the Herndon Hive did that last year. Fourth round pick later, but look, I think we'll see what happens with Mims. Um, but I would like to see them have a a fifth guy. Um, I have no idea what'll happen. Again, that's that's more depth, but you know of. Look, Elijah's got to stay healthy this year. Um, mm. And I will say, we'll finish with this, because this is, I think, I feel like no one's really talking about this. I think part, other than Zach, the biggest key for the Jets being good this year is getting last year's guys that showed all this potential to play and improve and not regress. I think part of the issue for last year was, oh, it was really promising Mims and Beckton. These guys were nice as rookies and then basically gave you zero last year. And I think that's really hard. They can't have that where, Elijah looks like a pro bowler potential guy. And if he gets to that level, now the Jets have a pro bowl receiver. Same thing with ABT. He's a pro bowl guard this year. Jets are starting to be in a a nice spot, right? Michael Carter and these guys too as role players. But I want to see the 2021 guys take the step from promising rookies to legit dudes in the NFL. Cause that's where you'll see the Jets start to go. Oh, they got some pro bowlers on this roster, right? Like, that's the stuff you want to see. The Bengals got that. They go, oh, Jesse Bates is a pro bowler. Like Burroughs, Burroughs a dude. Obviously, Jamar is nice, but you know, obviously it's he's a unicorn season, but it's just those guys are the that's kind of like what I want to finish on. It's just like that's a key to me when no one's talking about. Um, it's yeah. like they need to take the next step now and not just be fun young guys. They need to be they need to be contributors every week that you count on and go, I know I'm getting seven for 75 from Elijah when he walks in the field minimum or you know, uh, 80 plus PFF grade game from AVT or whatever you want to, however you want to classify it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. Right. Um, like again, we talked about Zach and the biggest jump is from year one to year two. Well, we got to see that from Elijah more. First and foremost, we got to see him stay healthy. Right. And like Zach too, right. Zach missed what four or five games last year. Uh, yeah. Elijah as well. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, I think missed one or two games. Um, so you want to see them first and foremost, stay healthy. And then you want to see that leap, right? 
you know, I tabbed Elijah Vera Tucker as a guy that could potentially be a pro bowler this year or next year, right? I want to see him take that next dominant step. Like, he'll be able to learn from one of the best guards in the game, you know, pro bowler, Super Bowl experience, NFC Championship experience, you know, coming in there and then Lincoln Tomlinson. So I think these two could really feed off each other and help each other, right? Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, to me, is an athletic freak inside and dominating the run game. I want to see him take that next step, step as a pass protector where he's just as dominant in the run game. I mean, as, as a pass protector than he is in a run game. So, uh, yeah, you definitely want to see, see you know, that, that, that massive leap from year one to two from your guys, you know, especially your first and second round picks. If you talk about Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you. Um, next week, Connor Hughes will be on. Make sure you guys um, follow Leger on Twitter. Obviously, I'm Athlete Weekly. Uh, I think believe Channel 82 on Mad Dog Radio, Mad Dog Series Sports XM. Radio. Yeah. Yep. It's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of pretty unique, pretty unique content, in my opinion. Um, you know, interviews, all these different things. So make sure you guys are tuned into that. Obviously, as the season comes around, the SNY stuff and CBS and a million other places, you'll see ESPN calling games, the whole thing. So uh, make sure you guys are tuned in. We'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.